2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and happy uh, the entire East Coast is completely frozen week.
2: Yeah, I saw a map, like, two days ago, and I'm in the only part of the country that isn't in under 30-degree temperatures right now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, this is, like, maybe, honestly, like, the coldest extended streak, I to remember, including, like, at Syracuse. And even Syracuse, like... A lot of these days would be in like the 30s, and you just did a lot of snow, but like it wouldn't be so frigid every day. Um, And it sounds like we're going to bounce back a little bit next week, but this weekend's supposed to be like in the negatives in New York City, which is crazy. Um, So not the best. Um, I can deal with like 30 degree or like mid 20s weather. Once you get into the teens, it's it's a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean for me, once you get into the 50s, I'm over it. But (laughs) we uh, we we don't have you know cool names for storm formations like. Uh, bomb cyclone and (laughs) bombogenesis
1: so necessary
2: i said earlier today there's gonna be so many mixtapes named that in like six
1: months (laughs) i look forward to them it's
2: gonna be
1: coming out in june so they'll make a lot of sense
2: yeah you know it'll be like the most dated somebody's gonna have like it's gonna be like trapogenesis and it's just gonna be (laughs) 18 tracks of like hollowed out boom bat
1: Featuring two of the Migos, <laughs> but not all three.
2: Not all three, because one was frozen in, in ice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because because Atlanta is like also thirty degrees right now.
2: Too true. Uh, all right. Um, on to less positive or funny things. Um, Syracuse basketball lost tonight, and Dan, it was not pleasant.
1: No, it was it was not. It was one of those annoying games where it seemed like for. You know, it was back and forth the whole time. Um, it seemed like Syracuse had a, foot, a foothold, uh, maybe two thirds of the way through the game. Maybe a little later, uh, when they took what like a four or five point lead, mm-hmm. and then Wake hit like I feel like they had three straight like steel slash threes. Brian Crawford I think made like three threes in a row, which was really annoying. Um, just a really frustrating game against a team that is not very good. Um, losing a road game in the ACC is not like the end of the world. Obviously, we just picked up a nice home win. Uh, a couple of days ago against Virginia Tech, which should be a tournament team, so that that was good. Um, but you would have liked to have followed up with a, a nice road win, even if it is against like a, a down Wake Forest team. Not that Wake's like, you know, the worst team ever, but it's it's this the type of game you want to get if you're Syracuse, when you, you don't have a lot of games to give away here.
2: Yeah, I mean, and obviously like we'd never lost a Wake before. That was a, a constant source of jokes, and I actually had some fun content planned around that for tomorrow, and now I don't... Um, bummer there um but obviously the bigger part of this is the loss and the fact that like a lot of the things that wake did are replicable for a lot of teams that Syracuse faces um wake is far from the most talented team um that SU is going to face in the ACC schedule um they're far from the most talented team that they could face anything after the ACC if we ended up in the NCAA tournament um I mean wake's fine it's just they were able to out-rebound Syracuse, which was just a kind of stunning development, given um, kind of you know, what SU has been able to do to everybody all year. And
1: considering uh, that Wake's, like, not big. No, they're Wake not big is, at all. Wake has, like, two 6'7", 6'8 guys, and then one 7-footer who, um, who is, comes came off the bench. and No, more play 24 minutes. So, yeah, they have a 7-footer in the middle, which, you know, as do we. And they have two guys that are about the size of our, uh, like, every forward. So it, it just... And, and they didn't play that much. Like Mitchell played 11 minutes and made some nice plays on the stretch, um, and then Thompson uh, had a, a pretty good game and he played 29. But that's like their entire frontcourt. Everyone else, the guard. So you would have this if you had told me what the rebounding margin would have been coming in, I would have said probably SE by eight at least. So that wasn't great. Yeah,
2: de- definitely discouraging and uh, and not exactly what we need to see here. Um, I, I think another just. I mean, you look at the the bigger issue, I think, was not just rebounds. It was offensive rebounds. And we really let them get a lot of second chances, um, I think, especially, you know, in the first half. Other issue that I, I think is going to continue to plague us, even though we ended up hitting almost 40% of our threes, is just shot selection. Um, some of those late threes, especially the transition um, possession that we had where we could have, I um, believe it was take the lead at that time. Um, and instead of taking the lead on that transition, we ended up you know, shooting an ill-advised three with no help underneath. Um, that turned into a quick transition uh, possession for Wake um, that I believe was a three on their end. I didn't like take any notes, so I'm just going from like, what I remember uh, in the last few minutes. But a lot of questionable decisions. You know, Frank Howard hit that big three. Um, late, but then the possession before that uh, was the turnover, the intentional foul call on O'Shea Brissett that basically kind of uh, solidified the game um, in, in the Deacons' favor. Just miserable all around. This Again, this is something that, that SU could fall victim to, to much better teams. Um, the road woes kind of continue to struggle. I know I, uh, I put that up on the site uh, today, for listeners yesterday, uh, talking about how bad we've been on the road these past four years. Um, it seems like, unfortunately, that might continue this season, um, given, you know, what we have left and the fact that right now we might be looking at like a 3-7, and 4-6 and six ceiling uh, away from the carry, well, not away from the carry dome, for true road games, which is not good, considering that might include zero upsets.
1: It's really not ideal based on, you know, the non-conference didn't really give SU a lot to hang its head on. I think there were some decent, like, I think the the baseline level of win wasn't bad because I think we played some pretty good mid-majors, but you want to get that marquee win, and when your marquee win is either Georgetown or UConn, neither of which, you know, I mean, you probably wouldn't even put either one in the tournament at this point, um, unless Georgetown really does some work on the Big East. Uh, it's, not, it's not great. Um, you know, your, be- your best wins end up being, like, what, Toledo or... Buffalo, and, and, you know, there were narrow wins at that, so, um, yeah, you definitely want to pick up uh, at least a couple, like, big ACC road wins, and based on this, um, obviously, Syracuse is almost always better at the Dome, but, the, you know, this wasn't a great sign, considering that, apparently, um, it was a very, like, you know, half and half, if not, like, even, I think a lot of people said it was more Syracuse fans there uh, than Wake fans, which... You know, you would hope that would be a situation against a, one of the worst teams in the ACC, um, definitely in that bottom tier um, that we talked about last week, if not, like, maybe one slight tier up. Um, that wouldn't have faced on the road this year.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I said, I broke it down in the article today, kind of looking at, you know, who we still face on the road. We still face Georgia Tech. We still face Pitt. Uh, we still face Boston College. So um, two of those teams are probably worse than Wake. One of those teams, though, Boston College, you know, might end up being a fringe tournament team. Who really knows? Like this was one of the easiest tests we had left overall not just on the road we do face the deacons again um at the dome this season too but the thing is like we didn't shoot so poorly that that, that a win was out of the question i mean 42 percent. we didn't shoot so poorly from three or from the free throw line that um that win we're out of the little win was out of the question it was just we, we lost the rebounding margin which should make little sense we turned the ball over 13 times um which, again, is going to hurt. And Tyus Battle got into foul trouble. And, you know, those those few things kind of coupled together, um, you know, really created a a head-scratching game. Obviously, some of those uh, turnovers came at ill-advised times. Like, Frank, while he did score 23 points, he did hit five of seven threes. Um, He also did turn the ball over six times. So, like, that's not great. Battle had an off game, Uh, only shot 25% from the floor, one of seven from three, you know 5 turnovers 13 points. Like, you can't have a game like that from him. It just seemed like everything that could have gone wrong did for the most part um for the orange and you really didn't get you really didn't get the best game from any player. Um save maybe O'Shea Brissett, who I think we're just kind of used to at this point, you know, scoring at least 13 or 14 and and picking up at least seven
1: boards. Yeah, and even Brissette, like he's, you know, your second or third option every night. Um, even he is like not so hyper efficient that you, um, I mean, he does so much of his work at the free throw line that it's, you know, you have to depend on getting foul calls, which isn't great. And he's been in line, but, um, you saw him miss a couple big ones. His only two misses were I think right in the same uh, set of free throws and they were pretty backbreaking cause it was down the stretch. Um, but he's like, you know, 16 points on 15 shots. Like there are worse teams, but it, not, none of our three big guys are, are very efficient players, um. Howard, you know, was more so tonight with 23 on 14 shots, but uh, he also had six turnovers, like you said, and, and he has the, the tendency to, to have these very high turnover games. Battle, same thing. Um, obviously, he, you know, is way better than this most nights, but um, you have three, your three lead players aren't super efficient, and I don't think it's all their fault. I think it's the fact that there's no one else with any semblance of a reliable offensive game. Obviously, we've seen some okay outings for Chukwin Moyer, but they're you know, players who are very dependent on getting the ball in the right spot. They're not creating it all for themselves. Uh eyes the same way. Washington obviously isn't ready yet. Uh Sadimi, you know, who knows how much we end up seeing from him down the stretch. I, I assume we'll see more because now he can't redshirt, but um since he played tonight. Yeah, I didn't really uh, see the point
2: but, in playing him three minutes.
1: Yeah, I I mean that just it has to mean that he is that he's feeling okay and he's done a play, which is fine. If he's going a play um every night, then I have no problem with it. It's just you know, yeah. three, it, it was <laughs> a
2: little... three minutes in a game where like everybody was in foul trouble is just a weird, yeah. especially as I only played nine minutes
1: and it was in the first half. Right. I think um, I'm pretty sure it was all in the first half. So, yeah, it, a weird game. Um, hopefully, you know, this is just a, a blip. But we like you said, we really can't get by only doing our work at the Terrier Dome. We've seen that in the last couple of years. When we've missed the tournament. Um, those teams have gotten been Terrier Dome wins and it hasn't meant a lot. So, um, you're going to need to see uh, a much better outing uh, going forward. What's our? We, I know we have uh, we're we're two of them, that's three on the road. So we're what at UVA and at Florida State after we have the, the Notre Dame home game. Yeah, and uh,
2: Florida State, State just had, upset UNC.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how good UNC is, but like I think these are all like very quality teams. UVA has obviously given us uh, problems in the past. Um, Florida State we generally play pretty well against, but they're better this year. I mean they're a, a better team on paper than us by a decent amount. So I almost feel like we almost need to win one of those two, not not to like start doing that thing, but uh, that's you know one one of those two road wins would make me feel a lot better. And then obviously you can't uh, slip up at pit and at Georgia Tech later in the year.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. Now I feel like with this game, and a couple people said in the comments, you know, beforehand, like we this creates a zero margin for error kind of situation. Where you know now now you can't drop one of those Georgia Tech or pitt games, and ideally i mean ideally, you really need to win the Boston College game now, and you don't really have another option um there i mean yeah I, I would be great to win the Florida State game or the Virginia game, but i I'm more banking on you know maybe catching you know Louisville or Miami that's really it like there's just not a lot of opportunities left, and like you said you know we, we've seen in recent years like last year s u went two and eight uh uh, you know, in true road games, those two wins one right. One was. Yeah, NC I was State just looking. The same thing.
1: Yeah, NC State and, and, and Clemson
2: were the wins, and they were both like bad games that we just happened to pull out at
1: the end. Yeah, one was an overtime. Uh, which the NC State game was the crazy John Dylan game, right? Yeah. And then one was we beat Clemson by one. Neither of those teams was very good. NC State was bad. Clemson was mediocre. Um, and then we were bolstered last year by the fact that we beat Duke, we beat uh, Virginia, uh, we beat Florida State. Uh, all ranked teams at home, um, I don't know that we can bank on doing something like that this year. I just don't right. know that we have the firepower. So, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's way early to just, like, give up on, on the year. We could, you know, bounce back and, you know, win an ugly one at Virginia uh, uh, in a couple days. But definitely not the most encouraging thing. I think if we were out to a 2 and no start in the ACC, I think we'd feel, I mean, obviously we'd feel a lot better about things, especially because the Virginia Tech win was really nice, and we, we looked like a solidly better team for pretty much the entire game. Um, so it's a little disheartening to follow that up with a, such a lackluster performance.
2: Yeah, lackluster, really flat on both sides, especially the field of defensive end. We really didn't do much uh, to stop Wake until about the last five minutes of the first half, and it was nice to get that run going to kind of take back the lead. Um, but then obviously, you know, that wasn't able to parlay into a, some strong play in the last few minutes. I'd say those last five minutes were among the most puzzling, perplexing, just, mind numbing things that I've watched from Syracuse since i I would stretch as far back as you know when, when things were really when we'd already taken the postseason ban and stuff was just like coming apart um, back in 14 fifteen probably and and that's i mean it's been a while like no SU hasn't been perfect in that time since, but um, to see that many decisions is kind of you know uh, again boggle the mind in, in such a short stretch, um, not the best. And again, that shot selection th- this team is acting like they're a three point shooting team, um, uh, and they very much aren't. So when the shots aren't falling, um, you know, things go horribly wrong, horribly quickly. And that's what we saw tonight. Um, when again, you know, just jacking up threes and I mean, e- even those late threes, like you didn't expect them to go in, but I'm sure Bayheim's not telling them to just, you know, shoot threes at will. But when you have, when you're trying to close the gap and you're chucking up 35 footers when you're like barely a jump shooter at all um it's not exactly an encouraging sign for me when like especially when you have 10 feet between like you and the three-point line and there's no defender anywhere near you (laughs) like to to me it just it it shows that there's just this there's almost like an irrational belief in in inability to hit jumpers and that's it's not like a uh, you know a, a, crit- a character criticism. It's just more of a, a something I noticed that that could potentially uh, you know preview things to come.
1: Yeah, it's 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 an issue because I think this team isn't super creative offensively, and and like we said, there are only three guys that can create at all. Like you don't have a fourth or fifth guy that can come in and like have a surprising ten point game by creating his own shot. So there just isn't a lot of options in terms of like. You know the three guys who are going to be handling the ball almost the entire time, and it's hard to really spread the floor effectively there. I don't love watching it at all, and I don't think it's good for the team. But I also like understand why we see them settle for three pointers that they shouldn't be taking because right. they're just this, this. It's a flawed team. It's a flawed team, especially offensively. Um, it should get better in in the next couple of years when we got have guys like Jalen Carey and Darius uh, Basley who are, are you know can inside out players, and and obviously Carey gives us another guard that we deeply need. Um, but right now the roster is not made up. Uh, I mean, just for a number of reasons that we've done over a million times in terms of the penalties and and you know losing a couple of recruiting battles. Shout out to uh, Jordan uh, Jordan Tucker. Yeah, um, yeah. Didn't really think that one through, and I, I hate criticizing players for making their decisions. But you know, when you get an offer and then ten days later commit when you were clearly playing Plan C, you should probably think about that one a little bit more. Um, yeah. So it's just you know it's a flawed team, and and you're going to end up seeing. More of this is here just because I, I don't really know what the solution is. Playing Howard Washington more, I, I don't think we've seen anything that makes you, you know, really think that's going to be the answer.
2: I mean, the only thing from him might be ball movement, but at the same time, like, we don't really need another guy who might not be a, a factor on offense, especially when Frank is, is probably our second-best offensive player, um, from the floor at least. I mean, I, like you said, Brissette's going to make do most of his damage from the free-throw line. Um, I, I think Frank has suddenly evolved into our second-best shooter, on a night-to-night basis so yeah you're not going to pull frank for uh for washington and that's how washington ends up riding the pine most games uh you know if, if he gets in maybe a couple minutes um i haven't looked at the advanced numbers on this team yet um well at least not much this year but um the the ball movement thing is definitely uh, troubling in my on in my mind you know nine assists in this game um, not great, I think in general you 're just seeing Syracuse play a lot of isolation um, when they don 't really have isolation players save maybe battle um there 's just not enough like you said it 's a lot of independent basketball there 's just not enough movement there 's not enough creativity um you know maybe a, a point guard like Jalen Carey helps that maybe Howard Washington in year two helps that um but what we have out there right now um there th- there just isn 't much. There isn't much left in the imagination once, once SU has the ball in the half court. You know, whoever has the ball is probably going to drive straight to the basket or settle for a three. And there's there's very little, uh, you know, other options for for them, which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah, that's why. Like, I think it's very easy to say like, why don't they do this and that? Like, who do you want touching the ball more? <laughs> like, <Right>? You have <laughs> three guys who are handling the ball. I I mean, I wish I had like numbers on like like legit possession numbers. If 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 you told me that reset howard and battle had the ball less than like 93 percent of the time i'd be absolutely shocked um so i mean there's only so much you can do in terms of ball move and and, and interesting plays and whatnot because like moyer is a non-factor offensively unless he's getting uh dunks on on dribble drives from howard and battle and you know that's fun when it happens but but you know you you put a die there and and it can stop Mm -hmm. most of the time same thing with chukwu i mean uh, warrior's got one play it's 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 emphatic dunk. it's flying fly from the wing <laughs> emphatic dunk off either a miss or a really nice crafty pass from one of the darts and then um chukwu you know i don't think we expect much more from him than you know stan and Doug. now if sita um gets back to like 100 percent, i think he had he showed some some more offensive life in terms of like actually doing something with his back to the basket than chukwu so maybe we'll see that and and I do think that the fact that he played tonight even if it was only three minutes means like they think he's gonna play you know it's expand his role down the stretch I hope so otherwise this was a waste but I choose to trust the team, the the <laughs> staff with this but yeah it's it's a lot it, it's it's a it's a lot to overcome um so hopefully we can grind out some wins because otherwise it's going to be kind of a long season which we uh, knew was a possibility um and hopefully we we at least grow a bit if that's the case because it, it's a super young team and and I do think next year uh, is a much better constructed team. Unfortunately, that's not a lot of solace when you have all of January, February, March uh, to go here.
2: Right, and especially coming off a season where we just missed the tournament. Um, obviously, like even the season before, yes, we made the Final Four, but the, the struggles leading to that Final Four were uh, were well-documented. The season before that was the postseason ban. Obviously, there's just a lot. Um, there are a lot of headaches for for SU fans and and you know it's uh you don't you don't want to complain too much because you know we've obviously had some some nice breaks in there but at the same time we've obviously had plenty of the of, of not so nice breaks um, and it is definitely frustrating to see this kind of given the fact that like once we saw what this team was capable of I think that the you know for about a half or so they were able to hang with Kansas um, I think that their ability to come back against teams like Georgetown. Um, who, again, questionable how good they are, even a team like Eastern Michigan. Like, the, the, the ability to come back consistently, Bonnie's Buffalo, whatever, you know, it, it, it mimics some previous teams that were incredibly frustrating, but it also showed that this young group was able to kind of uh, persevere and then to see them kind of, you know, take a clear step back um, tonight, um, persevere, and then suddenly, like, the whole bottom fell out definitely not what I was expecting and definitely not something that that, that I'm, I'm convinced is, is a one-off at this point
1: yeah we'll see I mean it's easy to be discouraged after a loss I mean literally like the game ended probably I mean less than an hour before we started recording this podcast so uh, it's pretty fresh um, but yeah it's not ideal I would have I loved to see uh, like either last year's team with O'Shea Brissett or this year's team with Tyler Lydon or Andrew White I think we'd be uh, I think we would have been a lot happier both times
2: <laughs> I would have to agree <laughs> um, on that note, why don't we? I'm to go to halftime a little bit because I want to distract myself from seeing Georgia Tech test Miami, which is troubling.
1: Yeah, that's the problem. We talked about it a little bit last week. Even the teams that we outlined as, like, the bottom tier teams in the ACC, they're not, like, that bad. Except, Except Pitt. For Pitt.
2: Pitt's bad. Pitt's <laughs> Pitt, really bad. you're trash.
1: <laughs> Pitt, 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 Pitt should legitimately consider paying players. Like, they would be so much better off.
2: They should have like, just folded the program this year. Like, just or that, take a year like, off.
1: I thought about this last night when the stalling scene happened. Would you rather be a Pitt fan right now, or would you rather be a Louisville fan right now, even considering how much hell Louisville might end up going through? Because at least you had the 2013 title, and at least you've gone to it. Like, you've had these, I and mean, we've talked about this a little bit as a Syracuse fan, like, we've had, like, some fun times. Would you rather be a Pitt fan right now, knowing, like, at least we did it the right way? What, losing your touch to TCU, and having him have one of his best teams, and then never having any play, uh, tournament success, and being absolute trash for a couple of years? Yeah, no. <laughs> give me give me the, the super the super uh, shady Rick Pacino <laughs> years. I'm, I'm totally, I don't love that. I wish, like, Syracuse hadn't gone through a very minor version of that. But I'll take it over what Pitt's having right now.
2: Well, I would personally take what happened to us, but with the championships, as as I've stated numerous times, I uh, I, I think don't cheat unless you're going to win, and, and and you can you can debate the word cheat in, in Syracuse's case and, and all of that, but I think uh, you know I, I I said when we held out Fab Mello and all that like. Should have just played him. You asked for forgiveness later. It obviously, didn't affect North Carolina. If you ask any USC fan, they won those championships. Reggie Bush yep. won that Heisman. Like n- nobody cares about the NCAA record books. I, y- you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna remove the title that, that you get to watch and all that. So to me, I don't condone rule breaking and all that. But if you're going to rule break, do it to the utmost and make sure that you get the win out of it, as Louisville did.
1: Yeah, and also it's not like Kevin Saltings is some saint. Like, he's never been caught cheating or anything. The dude's a raging asshole. Like, what, if Vanderbilt he told his, uh, his best play, Wade Baldwin, who was, a, what, the 14th overall pick in the NBA draft that year, that he was going to, like, kill him? <laughs> like, come on.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, well, he, he won't have a job much longer, and that's, uh, that's...
1: No, he's, he's toast. Pitt is a new AD. He's toast. He's, like, very, very toast.
2: Which we kind of predicted when he was hired. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's also a really gratifying thing in college sports is when a hire is made and you immediately say it's really, really bad and it turns out to be just as bad as you said. Um, even like like selling like it just it doesn't seem a very pleasant person. Herm Edwards seems like a very a, a perfectly pleasant person. That's gonna be a terrible hire, and I'm going to feel like oh, I knew something about sports for now for this time when that doesn't work out. Um, I don't know why that's a thing I really enjoy, but a, a predictability, uh, flushing it working out in those ways but when you. When you say like I don't know what this athletic director was doing with his hire and ended up being completely right, like I really enjoy that, and, <laughs> and that seems to be the road that we're going down with Pitt and Kevin Stallings. Because I don't know one person who like that hire when it happens.
2: But like, do we want Pitt to be good? I just I don't. No, really... I'm fine yeah.
1: with them being bad.
2: I don't really care if they're if they're good at all.
1: <laughs> it just seems like we know the road we're going down here, so you might as well say like, well, we told you.
2: Like, but at this I'd point, not... like, it's I think it's done. In even like a few years, like. The last probably two years of Jamie Dixon and, and then like these few years have done such irreparable harm to like Pitt as a basketball brand?
1: That's the problem. Is like Syracuse has a title to fall back on and has a lot of NBA players, even like, no, even when you don't have a, a ton of great ones. Like at least there's some, uh, you know, there's uh, what, 10 guys playing in the league right now. It has history. Pitt doesn't have any of that. Pitt had the Pete and Jamie Dixon being, team being pretty good all, all the time. And when you take away...
2: Ball Jimmy from. Dixon's <laughs> team is
1: being – and Ben Howland's teams being good um, pretty much every year. Uh, and then the Pete has kind of turned into, like, not much of a home court advantage, as best I can tell this year. Um, like, what do you have? Because Pitt doesn't have a history to fall back on that we – and, you know, as we've gleefully pointed out a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Pitt. I guess Pittsburgh's a cool city from what I've heard. I haven't spent that much time there. But, like, they don't recruit super well ever. Um, they, have a, they were a system program for a while. It worked out in terms of like regular season success, and there's not, that's not. Any, no, that's not something to scoff at. Uh, I wish you know our teams the last couple of years would have been like the teams in the '90s and the or not the '90s, the uh, the mid to late 2000s. But I'm not you know, gonna write home about the tournament success they didn't have, and then now look at what they're doing. It's like okay, well, none of this was worth it, really.
2: I would have to agree. Um, On that note, uh, we'll pour some out for uh, our pit fan listeners, the one or two that might be there. uh, A little beer talk.
1: Cool. Um, So over the week, actually last Friday, which seems like so long ago, because I had no sleep this weekend, Um, and you can tell now that I have a cold because it's eight degrees out and I haven't slept, Um, I went to Philadelphia. Uh, We went to not the actual Tonsha Brewery in Tonsha we went to uh, a cool like outpost they have in Phoenixville, um, where they have a bunch of cool like games and stuff. And pretty much, I think their whole arsenal on tap um, had their Type A, which uh, is like one of their signatures. Had uh, they're all about the Benjamins, uh, which was uh, another IPA, uh, really good, uh, unfiltered. Um, they do a lot of like West, West Coast type stuff, and then uh, a Doll's Eye, which was a black IPA, I believe, um, which was really interesting. Um, because there was like some hoppiness, which you don't usually get with a dark beer, uh, but still, like it, it was good. I, I don't love dark beers, um, but in terms of like a uh, you know kind of an interesting style, um, I've had some pretty interesting black IPAs, and this is a, this is a solid one. I'm surprised um, I didn't call then... that
2: beer the Mark Emmert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, then what else did I have? Oh, I had some other uh, I think fairly local Philly things. Um, I had. The pub Santa from Local Hero Brewing. I'm not sure where that is, or Liquid Hero. Liquid Hero Brewing is in New York, Pennsylvania. Okay, so it was fairly local, which was a Belgian strong, um, really delicious, uh, really nice, like amber color, um, but like surprisingly drinkable. It was definitely like pretty boozy at 8.4, percent but like for for you know that that uh, alcoholic beer um, and you know that stronger beer, it, it went down pretty easy, which was nice. Uh, and then i had we stopped by Fishtown brew pub in Philadelphia uh, proper in Fishtown. Um, had their uh de peach mode uh mostly because of the pun, but also because I like peach sours and this was a very good one and then uh their Dreener than green um, which I believe was a double i p a oh no it was a regular pale ale um which was pretty good from what I remember uh and then I think that was it nice, pretty nice selection there. Yeah, pretty more uh, more variety than than I often. Yeah, uh, tried a little bit of everything.
2: Very very nice uh, for me. Had a few things. Um, had uh, victory at sea, which probably a lot of people see from Ballast Point. They had um, they had their High West barrel aged uh, version, so High West uh, whiskey out in Utah. Uh, which is a very, very good distillery. They're both owned by Constellation Brand, so this was a nice uh, collab. Very interesting beer. Me and my buddy split some for his uh, 30th birthday uh, last week. Um, had an Easy Jack from Firestone, had a San Diego Pale Ale 394 from Alesmith. Uh, the brewery started uh, canning their Humulus Lager, um, which is kind of like their, their first foray into hoppier, well, hoppy beers. Um, back before they made Offshoot Brewing Company their, uh, their you know IPA-focused uh, label. But I uh, was really glad that I grabbed a four-pack of that. So I had some um, on New Year's Eve and then had some more during the Rose Bowl and the, uh, the ill-fated Sugar Bowl that I wish I hadn't bothered watching. Um, also had a bottle of Fruct Peach from uh, Brewery Tarot. It's their uh, Berliner Weiss and just the peach variety. And then had a, uh, from Brewery Tarot and a Garage Project, had a uh, N'Gongo. It was a Saison. Uh, it was lemon balm, chamomile, and honey. So, interesting beer. Just standard Saison. It was, it was uh, light, refreshing. I was, I was all about it. Very good. And on that note, um, I don't know syracuse's upcoming games dan they face notre dame Bonzi colson's out i feel bad about that because he's honestly a lot of fun to watch i got to see him live at the acc tournament last year um nonetheless that might help us bounce back from this loss pretty quickly
1: yeah i actually am like relatively bullish on syracuse's chances in this game notre dame has not looked very good recently and they definitely won't look better without their best player um now, Notre Dame occasionally has one of those teams where they shoot like crazy, and that's always uh, staring against the zone. Um, we've also, and these two teams have like a weird history where they tend to knock each other off at weird times. Um, it's in the dome, which really helps. Um, I think Syracuse uh, will definitely have, should have a rebounding edge, considering Colson is such a dominant rebounder. He's, uh, I think he's the only guy on their team that averages more than like six and a half. Um, yeah, Martinez Geben is their second leading rebounder. Um, and he's not like a huge, huge factor for them. He's like their fifth, fifth guy off the, or fifth guy, you know, in the rotation here. Um, senior sits ten forward, but he's only playing twenty-one minutes a game. So I'm not sure what the rotation's really gonna look like now. Um, so we should be in good shape on the glass. Um, they do hit almost forty percent of their threes as a team, uh, and Coulson's not a huge part of that. Um, Farrell, obviously, we know pretty well, is dangerous. T.J. Gibbs shoots about forty-seven percent. Uh, Josh Mooney off the bench is probably our our guy who could go for like 15, even though he averages three, um, if I had to guess, he's a sophomore shooting 47%, but he doesn't play that much. Um, so yeah, this would be a very nice one, um, partially because I think that this could be a game where we win it, and then Tolson comes back, and Notre Dame looks really good at the end of the year, and everyone's like, oh, but Syracuse beat Notre Dame, and then we all forget that like Syracuse beat Notre Dame without their best player. Um, That's fine. So, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, did, that, we did that
2: a couple that, years ago, and it worked out pretty well.
1: Yes, I'm now looking at John Mooney. He's definitely going to go off. Like I have no doubts. We already called this once this year. We were 100 percent correct. John Mooney B- for Notre Dame. He'd B- be Jack Ferguson Storr. Memorial. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he averages 10 10.6 minutes. Um, he averages 3.5 points. Uh, shooting 47 percent from three. He shot. Uh, he he hit half his threes last year, even though he only played about four minutes a game. His career high. I'm looking at his game log. His career high is nine, uh-huh. uh, which he's had a couple times. Uh it is LSU and Chicago State uh this year. Um I assume I'll check last year. I don't think he had nine points last year in the game. No, he barely played. Uh so yeah, John Mooney's gonna go for uh seventeen points.
2: Seventeen. I'm uh Let's see how many three point attempts does he have? See that's tough. I feel like we're only seventeen attempts.
1: Yeah. But it's just it makes so much sense.
2: No, it does. See, I almost, I almost bank on TJ Gibbs, like without Coulson, without Coulson, quote unquote hogging the ball. I feel like Gibbs is just going to
1: start chucking. I just wonder if Gibbs is like too big a player. Um, right.
2: No, yeah. I mean, the, the out of nowhere pick always has to be like you know a, a random a random bench guy. Usually, usually like a scrawny six foot four white kid. But occasionally, <laughs> but occasionally it's a star.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be Gibbs. Gibbs, Gibbs, Gibbs could totally have a big game. Um, the thing is, like, he has big games every so often. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. He had 26 against uh, in that LSU game. He had 21 against Delaware last month. He is 18 against Southeastern Louisiana. He had 21 to open the year at DePaul. Um, DePaul's still not back, if you were wondering. <laughs> so, um, you know, he's not super consistent, but, you know, he's, he's hit. He's hit at least seven every game. Um, he could easily go off. Uh, you know, Notre Dame without Colson could end up just being like a total spread the floor and chuck because you don't have your big guy in the middle. Um, so I, I feel decent about this. Um, hopefully we pick this up because I think it would be a nice win even without Colson. I don't think that's a thing that like people are going to um, bring up all the time just because people forget when these injuries happen. Um, now, the problem is that Notre Dame might lose Colson. He might be off for the rest of the year. So um, that would be bad because then they might just own the tank to, completely. Um, but either way, you want to win the game. There's, there's, no, there's no downside to winning, it, whoever, no matter who's playing. So hopefully, they can go out and get another another uh, Virginia Tech-esque effort at home.
2: Yeah, that'd be nice, especially because Virginia Tech is looking like crap tonight against uh, against UVA.
1: Yeah, I mean that's you know who looks who good against UVA besides uh, Malachi Richardson.
2: No one except Malachi, except for the fact that UVA is actually scoring points.
1: Like I mean they're bit. just a they're just a really good team. I know, it's it's remarkable because every year I'm like, all right, now they lost these two guys, so now are they really going to bounce back? And nope, Tony Bennett's really good. He's a really good coach. Well, at least
2: Kyle Dye got rid of the man bun. There's just there's less just a lot
1: more, there's less to hate. He's a lot more likable without the man bun. That's 100 percent accurate. It's just, like there's nothing there's nothing really. Gra- I mean, like literally I figured There's nothing to grab onto in terms of like he's just a good player.
2: Sadly true. Um, all right. Dan, is there anything else you want to talk about about this basketball team? Because I almost feel like I've 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 reached my my limit on, on on this hoops team, if only because this game was so goddamn frustrating.
1: No, this would be a much a much different podcast if we did it like last night, some um or or you know New Year's Day for some reason. Even though we wouldn't have done that just as the football games. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm good. I think 37 minutes of it. Uh, I, I don't know that our fans want to hear much more on a Thursday after a loss. Uh, hopefully next week's uh, will be uh, more. More happy. Uh, who yeah. do we have? Do we have two games before then, or just one?
2: Several. I mean, we still talk football, and as, as as everyone would expect, we would be talking football around here. Yeah,
1: I mean, football stuff has happened.
2: Well, and even if it wasn't, we we just talk about Tulane or something.
1: <laughs> they they did go undefeated in 1998, so they should they should hang a banner.
2: Uh, yeah. I I think I missed that team by a year. I saw them in '97 against Army up in West Point,
1: actually. <laughs> What do you what is your take on the UCF thing I think I feel like I know but I
2: mean I'm such a big fan <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's it's ridiculous like it's totally ridiculous it is such a wonderful troll move I don't know how you can't appreciate that because they're not just doing a little bit they're going all the way well there's they're actually like
2: it's it's valid and, and like that's the thing like the validity is what makes history, it
1: great based on college football history based on like the vast majority of college football history it's valid like the most of college football uh, in terms of like going back to the like Rutgers, Penn, Princeton days um, was teams just taking titles that they didn't actually really earn. Um, <laughs> so now we have a slightly better way of of, uh, of deciding this, but like, you said wasn't given a shot so like, what do you want them to do? They were not given a chance, they did everything you could have asked aside from like, realize five years ago that they were going to hire Scott he was going to be a nasty coach uh, and then schedule like Auburn in the regular season and beat them. Like, the thing is, they, they scheduled
2: Georgia Tech and Maryland this year.
1: Yeah, and one of those games got canceled, and they Mm -hmm. pulled out Maryland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, like, they were really good. Um, Hopefully, we at some point get, like, a 6 or an 8 team, and you could sneak uh, a group of 5 in there every so often. Like, it's not like, here's the thing, like, I I don't necessarily think we absolutely need uh, an auto-bid group of 5. I would like it if it was 8 teams, but with sits, I can get where you wouldn't want that. Yeah, I don't think we need that.
2: I think, to be honest... Because, like, West
1: Commission last year would have gotten stopped if they played one of the 6 best teams.
2: I just think but. that if you have an undefeated team and that. an undefeated team that's played a power five opponent and you have and nobody else is undefeated and you have a question about the fourth spot, I'm not necessarily opposed to, to just getting rid of all the controversy about Ohio State. because like As much as UCF doesn't bring that national brand audience and all, aren't you m- probably more intrigued by Clemson UCF than you are by Clemson Alabama 3 if you're not a Clemson or an Alabama fan? <laughs>
1: Yeah, the problem is, like, with this four-team field that we got this year, I think it was very hard to argue that UCF was better than one of those four, but, like, with that Michigan State team a couple of years ago, if this UCF team was the, was, uh, the other option, like, yeah, yeah I, I think I'd probably go UCF there. Even Washington last year was really good. I think they probably get the nod, but the problem is, like, based on how the committee treated them all year by not putting them any higher than, what, 12th, it made it seem like there's no chance of one of these teams ever getting it.
2: Well, they like, knew nothing about just, them. Like that was yeah. the problem, that they literally knew they took nothing the about 12, the team.
1: And they just shuffled the deck chairs around them. And, like, Scott Frost, after the game from playing, and he was, like, 100% right. They just, there was no indication from the committee that there was ever any interest in putting UCF in a spot where they could, you know, like like you said, if, like, a crazy week happened and, like, four through eight lost and UCF was just there and, you are know, beating the hell out of people, like, there was no chance of that happening because they kept them far enough away. They kept, like, punches distance. So you just had these teams winning and losing and just circling UCF who... I think it took them like almost the entire year to get from like, past, like 15. So it was just ridiculous how they were treated. I don't know that they should have been in the top four this year, but they should have at least had like more of a say than what they ended up getting, which, you know, and they beat Auburn. You know, Auburn was a really good team who beat the two national finalists. So I don't know what you want from them.
2: Well, and like, um, so, yeah. did you see uh, Jason Kirk's article about it? And he was talking about like what the committee was saying, because I hadn't even seen this. Like what the committee? I have, I did not. What the committee had said afterward? Like they were talking about it. I think like with like a week or two left, and they were like, "Oh yeah, well, like you know, they weren't balanced enough." They said like, oh, they, "Who they, cares?" They, yeah, right. Like you, they said their offense was like great, but like the defense, like what you, you put know, in what, Alabama. USF, well, you put in Alabama, you put in Oklahoma, who, who, who allowed like what like fifty five points to Oklahoma State that game?
1: Yeah, you like what well, the, the most balanced team was Georgia, and Cle- I mean even Clemson, like has a nice offense, but Alabama obviously exposed them a bit. Alabama's not a balanced team at all. Uh, right. Oklahoma is completely unbalanced, and there was no chance that they would have been left out. That's and the thing. They they're, deserve to be left out, all so who com- cares?
2: They're all completely full of shit. And, like, and, and, and that's, that's why it's, it's perfectly college football in many ways to have this committee because it, once again, it, it actually takes a step back from the BCS in that it the bases things in zero numbers. Um, it, it allows for you know a very... Um, subjective group of people to to kind of you know sit in a back room unchecked and and just make decisions for the sport and like most for the most part it's fine because you have like they do seem like they're dedicated to resetting the rankings every week they're not necessarily suffering from recency bias that the rest of us do um, you know purposefully or not purposefully but what what they've done to to really create a kind of Um, like I did feel that there was always the chance that the BCS was going to be able to reward, you know, whether it was Cincinnati or Boise state or TCU or Utah was always going to be able to get somebody close enough, even if they weren't going to give them a shot at the championship, they were going to give them a shot to finish in the top three or four. And that did happen numerous times.
1: Yeah. We had, I think we had Boise state finish in the top five once or twice. I think we had TCU finish like third once. TCU Uh, finished second once. Yeah, after the bowls, right? Yeah, after the Bulls, Utah,
2: Utah did it too before they were in the Pac-12.
1: Yeah, like, the, I think the, the biggest problem with the BCS was that you only had two teams. Like, right. it was very limiting in a sport where there are often three or four Well, and you teams could game you could the. For. And you could game the formula a little bit. That too. I, I think, I would like, if you just put the BCS computers and just added two teams and made the playoff field that way, it might be a, the best solution out of, you know, or the, uh, a good combination of the two. Um but as long as we're gonna have uh this I, I think the playoff itself is is way better than just the two obviously um just like uh just just add two more teams and then we're good like no, I, people are are acting like this is a slippery slope thing there's a big difference between the fifth and the seventh best team like right. and and there are years I mean this this year we saw like there was a legit case we made for Ohio State like Ohio State if they made this playoff like I would be a little surprised if they won the whole thing but I wouldn't be yeah. like astronomically shocked. I think they would have beaten Clemson. You think?
2: Yeah, because I, I think that Clemson, Clemson's offense showed in our game that they just didn't ha- have it, like just
1: did not. And and in most games this year, it just the offense just didn't have it. just a team with that ton of talent. I mean, obviously yeah. our team isn't one of them, but I, I mean Alabama just had so much more talent than Clemson, and Clemson has a lot more talent than like ninety nine percent of the teams in the country. So exactly. And that was Alabama not at full strength because they haven't been at full strength all year.
2: Yeah, I, um, I, I would have taken Ohio State um to win it all unless well unless they were facing Oklahoma again.
1: <laughs> that's the problem. It's like especially now, like this year was a weird one where there was no like set like there was no far and away best team. I thought any of the four could have won it. Um I, I liked Oklahoma because I saw their offenses at a different level, but uh and their defense looked better up into the build up lead up to this game, but then we saw, you know, I don't know how much better the defense actually was since Georgia literally did whatever it wanted every time it ran the ball. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still looking forward to the last matchup. I think there's been a lot of, like, dourness about the two SEC teams. Uh, I'm probably going to be rooting for Georgia. I'm rooting for Georgia.
2: It sucks because, like... They're a much
1: more fun team. They're a much more fun team.
2: It sucks that both teams are defensively focused. It sucks that Kirby Smart used to work for Nick Saban. It sucks that it's all SEC, and we remember what happened last time, and that's obviously haunting everybody's kind of, you know, images of what this could be, but... I mean, I personally think that, that the committee messed up the rankings because, as we saw, like they really wrote a, a huge kind of pass for Clemson for losing us, and, and I think that, that that Alabama game exposed at least some of the things that we exposed, um, that they were far from perfect, and that there was just not really enough firepower in that offense this year. And, and sure, Kelly Bryant was hurt for our game, but... like if you're really that good, you should be able, like then you're, you know, defense full of four and five stars and your, your second or, th- or third four and five star quarterback should be able to, to come in and pick up that slack against a team like Syracuse that, you know, you, 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 your fans made no, um, maybe had no problem, you know, saying sucked after the fact. Like, so to me, like Clemson should have been probably number two, maybe even number three. I really think that like, Georgia earned their way to number one. Um and you, you you probably weren't gonna put Georgia Alabama in that that one four game just because from an aesthetic standpoint, it then made like it then kind of relegated the SEC title game to, to something that was non existent. But then in that case, mm. put Oklahoma, Alabama in one game and probably put Georgia and Clemson in the other.
1: They were never gonna move be Clemson to four though. So I well, you know, I, I don't think
2: they put Clemson to four in that case. I think in that case, they give Oklahoma the Bennett. They put Oklahoma to one, even though Georgia was probably number one. And you give Oklahoma the one spot, put them against Alabama. And then on the other
1: side, you put Clemson, Georgia. See, I would have been fine with Georgia, Alabama in the uh, semifinal piece. A, it wouldn't be any worse than what we had from Alabama Clemson. It might at worst have been like the same game. But then you have uh, no chance of an SEC final. Um, and then the, the possible uh, matchups: Oklahoma-Alabama would have been a really fun clash of styles. Oklahoma, um, what was the other one? Oklahoma-Georgia we saw, which was an amazing game. And then it would have been you could have had uh, Georgia-Clemson, which is a rivalry game. Um, obviously not one that we play all the time, but still like a very two very close programs. Um, and then uh, what's the last option we would have had? Alabama-Clemson, uh, which would have been yeah. part four, three, which wasn't a great game, but I think there would have been plenty of hype for it, so, um, yeah, I would have been fine with that, um, but I, I get your argument as well, um, but it, I, I don't really care that much that they're two from the same the same uh, conference, I, I, like, that doesn't really do much for me, it doesn't affect me really, but the fact that they are two, like, I think they're, they're slightly different variations of a very similar, and Clemson was the same thing. Like they were all like kind of similar teams. George's quarterback's a little different than the other two, just more of a traditional pocket passer, um, all running oriented, all defensive focused, but I have a lot of fun watching Sony Michelle run and I have a lot of fun watching Nick Chubb run. So um, I'm still going to really look forward to the Monday's game. And then uh, I'll take a nice break from college football for a bit.
2: Yeah. Especially now that we don't have like a, the heat of, of like a, you know, big recruiting season to kind of weigh down the rest of January
1: yeah it wasn't it is kind of nice having like a resurgent like news cycle i'm, I'm interested to in see how that affects but but college basketball is still around obviously in february even though it doesn't really heat up until march for most people right um yeah i mean i'll see how i feel about that when we get just like college basketball is way harder to get people super interested in um on a national level than college football is even recruiting but uh overall like I, I think uh a nice couple weeks um from it will be will be good but uh, I, I think monday night will be fun um uh, and Georgia, at least, you know, Georgia's not a team that's won any recently. Their last title was in 1980. So this is, like, while they've been around for a while and they've been a good team for a long time, Mark Rich was really consistent there, um, it would be nice to have another new champion.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is basically just the same as Clemson.
1: Yeah, um, it's almost exactly like, what, Clemson was 82 before the before last year? 80, that was 81. Or, or it was 81, so they were, it was literally the year after. So, yeah, um, yeah it, and, and obviously Georgia has a ton of momentum. So it would be nice to break up... Uh, The kind of monotony we've had recently where you know, until Clemson, we had the same couple champions, like, repeating a lot.
2: Bama, LSU, USC, Texas.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma hasn't won in a while, but they won still pretty recently. In our Um, lifetimes,
2: that we can remember.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there was the same, like, five or six teams that have taken home everything. So, yeah, uh, I'll be pretty squarely on the dogs for Monday.
2: Agreed, agreed. Agreed quick break here that UVA is up 25 on Vot Tech. Uh, that's not going to go well for us. I am already dreading that game.
1: <laughs> also, the Bonnies are down to Dayton. Uh,
2: and Georgia Tech is beating Miami.
1: That doesn't really affect us yet, but uh, it's uh, something.
2: Scares us down the road. Um, so, yeah, we were going to talk Syracuse football for a second and then we decided to go on a 10 to 12 minute tangent about the college football playoff. Um, so, I guess before we wrap up, did want to talk a little bit about just uh, next Tuesday. Um, Syracuse gets a 10th uh, full time staff position that they can use uh, for their football coaching staff. I had mentioned a couple names um, this morning. I don't know if you saw that, Dan. Just like didn't really go in depth on anyone, it was more just talking about, you know, maybe giving Mike Lynch the full time OC job and hiring a quarterback coach for one of the roles since we're replacing Sean Lewis. Um, and then with the other, uh, you know, hiring someone who's more like in a recruiting coordinator role that we give some sort of like, you know, maybe it's running backs coach, maybe it's special teams, coordinator, whatever you want to give him, but he's largely a recruiting coordinator. Um, and I just kind of looked at a couple names that we'd probably keep an eye on. Um, and, and I don't really know how, how fast Syracuse is going to fill these spots, um, but would assume they'd want to be on the early end of that, especially with the, like, you know, regular National Signing Day coming up and SU still having a couple scholarships left to give.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really hard to tell because Baber's brought in, like, almost his entire staff when he got here and uh, the other hires have been kind of one-offs and, it's, it, you know, it's, it's always hard to project these, like, lower-level assistant jobs when you're not a, you know, SEC power or something where you can go trade defensive coordinator all the time. anybody, yeah. Yeah. Um, other some of the names you, you mentioned were interesting. Um... Ron Wycombe being an upstate New York guy, which I, I don't necessarily think is like a huge thing, but you know, it should entice him away from ODU, which has uh, done some interesting things. We've brought them up a lot in this uh, podcast before. He's been there um, for a while, too. Yeah, almost the entire coaching career is there, which is interesting. Um, Kenny Dillingham we had great right get, just because Memphis' quarterback play has been fantastic. I don't think he'll leave Mike Norvell because yeah. he's been with him since Arizona State. Um, so I don't think that's super realistic, but uh, I like I like the idea of it. Uh, Steve Spear Jr. is really interesting. I, I don't know um, if he's going to be leaving uh, that area, because I think this would be um, really branching out for him. Um, he's kind of He was with his dad for a while. Uh, where was he between South Carolina and Western Ch- Kentucky? Uh, Oklahoma? Um, okay, yeah, so he doesn't really have the roots up here. Uh, but he doesn't really have the roots in
2: Kentucky either, technically.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's closer to the st- Southeast. Yeah, than...
2: and I would think he's got enough ties maybe to
1: the Southeast in Texas
2: that from a recruiting standpoint that we might want to
1: take a look? Plus, you know, we'd have maybe Steve Spurrier around once in a while. I'd be all for that. I think that'd be <laughs> worth it in, in and of itself. Um, and, you know, WKU's not the worst it's about to be at. Mike Sanford, I think, he's a, a pretty bright young coach. So if he learns anything from him, uh, I would be all for that. And obviously we could probably give him a nice uh, pay raise. I think that when you, when you clicked on uh, Steve Spurrier Jr. on Google – uh, under his name, it says Jerry Spurrier's son, and not like Steve Spurrier's son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out to Jerry. Shout out to Jerry Spurrier. <laughs> uh, She really, she really, uh, really won that one um, <laughs> with just great Google autocorrect or autofill. <laughs> um, and then Jim Zembrowski, same kind of, same similar thing. Obviously, he's at Buffalo now. Um, I don't know how much of the upstate New York ties we really care all that much about. But um, he's in the area, so you would think, and he's from the Mac. He's in the Mac, which obviously is where Babers was. So and I feel like Buffalo's
2: uh, done something lately, and I mean they're recruiting this cycle is actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, Buffalo's been Buffalo's done a nice job. So um, it's hard to really argue against any of these guys, um, but it, it's it's super tough to project where we'll go, um, especially because Babers uh, did bring like his whole staff with him from like the last two uh the, the last two times he's had an open uh, a new job so it isn't like there's like a trail of former Babers assistants out there that he could right. go bring up to the big leagues so well i know his oh. recent
2: hires have been outside that kind of like any of his previous trees anyway
1: yeah and that too so there's not like a lot of like there's not there's not like trends you can look at versus like Nick able loses defensive coordinator obviously brian Dable is kind of a weird hire but you kind of know like the same kind of guys he looks at right which in, in the SEC is literally they just rotate defensive coordinators. I'm pretty sure they all rotate a defensive coordinator like through a, a circle every year. <laughs> just now Dave Aranda's at a and um, LSU's defensive coordinator always goes to a
2: Is he um, actually going
1: where, now? Uh, it sounds like he's being enticed. I don't know how much they're going to pay him. He was making like $1.4 last year. I so saw like,
2: LSU was going to potentially raise him to two to stay, which is just stupid.
1: <laughs> this is getting so nuts. LSU paid both those guys so much money last year. I think they They were each making like one and a half million. Now you're going to raise Aranda and then Canada. Like, who even knows if he's there in a couple of days? I go hire Matt Canada. That's what I was thinking. Like, it would be I, so funny if we did that after Schaefer was here.
2: <laughs> well, you and I, like, didn't, weren't really sold on Canada, like, in his, like, one year of being good at Pitt.
1: He was really good at Pitt, but he had really good players.
2: he really, um, this thing, he had really good players, and he was, like, really good for, like, one year, and all the other
1: years, he was, like, all right. Yeah, NC State, he was, like, completely NC State. He was uh, okay.
2: Yeah, and like the like fact that had a chance to, yeah, SU had a chance to hire him like four years ago. So it's not like, it's it's not like he was like out of like because he doesn't have this system that like he brings with him, like other people, like other like you know really like bright kind of rising uh, offensive minds do. Like he doesn't have that resume.
1: Yeah, actually, I said we could go hire him, but like it wouldn't make that much sense just because like he is a play caller. Like we're not going to hire a play caller,
2: um, right? And then it's and that, I that's why. Yeah, and that's why I kept, like, my kind of list, and, like, a lot of people on Twitter or whatever were like, oh, what about this guy? I'm like, well, like, they're offensive coordinators, so, <laughs> like...
1: We don't really need an offensive coordinator. I'd rather get a big recruiter, yeah. like, because Babers is in the plays, um, and Babers is running his system. Now, he might take input, but, um, and, you know, maybe there's an offensive coordinator from a from a group of five that will come up to not play call plays if, because it's a big race or whatever, but, like, I'm not that concerned about filling the offensive coordinator position with, like, some flashy name because, like, what's the... You know, it's it's not going to make that much. Of, it's not going to be a huge difference in terms of what we see on the day to day.
2: I'd rather just give the job to Lynch full time and then let's let's hire a QB coach because I think you know the system's going to rise and fall on how well the QB position plays.
1: Yeah, and then if we need like another, um, I know you said running backs. I'd be more interested in like a second DB or defensive line focused guy. And well, then we had two of those already. For D-line. How many guys we have coaching for
2: D line? We have two already.
1: Okay, I, I would. I'd be finding another DB guy, and 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 if he can recruit, uh, obviously Nick Monroe is like our best recruiter.
2: But. Or have a DB guy that actually is better at DBs, and then have Nick Monroe just be the recruiting guy.
1: That's fine too. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. That's the thing. Like our DBs have I mean, they were better last year when they were healthy. Right. Um, a lot better. Like they were so bad the first year. It, they were a big step forward last year, even if it fizzled out. Um, but Nick Monroe's main, uh, main attribute here is his recruiting we like can't really lose him because he's by far our best recruiter so even if the dbs aren't like great if they're like making steady progress i'm I'm pretty okay
2: yeah same I, i think to be honest like i i know some people have mentioned this before i'd rather spend the money on like a qb coach who's like really gonna hit it out of the park and then i'd even i'd even be fine with like i mentioned in the article just like promoting somebody like asio mulba
1: yeah he seems like a pretty popular guy around the uh around the staff and whatnot.
2: Yeah, and, like, I mean, he's been on staff before, so it's yeah. not as if, like, he's far into the coaching profession at all. Like, I'd rather use him in a, like, strictly recruiting, then like I said, give him a ceremonial uh, position, whatever, if you need to. And that's, like, not a recruiting-specific role, but, like, that's fine with me, if, but only if you're going to really spend on a QB coach, and I feel like there's so many former spread QBs who, like, didn't make it in the NFL, who are just hanging around right now, like... Any, I mean, I was gonna say Graham Harrell, but he just got play-calling duties down at Texas, at North Texas, I think. But like him, or anybody like him, like again, look at I'd say former Washington State quarterbacks, former Texas Tech quarterbacks, like anyone who's anyone who has thrown a pass under Leach and maybe Briles, if only because I'm not gonna hold most of the players accountable for that probably. I think,
1: I, think, I think it'd be unfair to do that for players who yeah. have had no connections to any of that when we were, you know... And Samson's on the staff already them. anyway. Yeah. And and Babers is our head coach. Right. He was there for, uh, you know, probably something, because uh, the, the timeline gets changed all the time. So, I mean, if, if there are no previous... I think it's completely unfair to hold, like, a player accountable for what, like, another player on his team did if right. he had no, no knowledge totally. of it, which these didn't seem... They seem like no, nah, obviously they weren't isolated. Yeah, well, they weren't isolated because it was like a string, but like it wasn't like this was like 40 players in a room. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I'd be okay with that because yeah. those those guys all end up at, like it seems like a lot of these new young coaches are from like that kind of thing where they're like former Leach or former Riles, uh quarterbacks.
2: Actually, now that I mention Harold, like I should have probably done a little bit more to him because like he's somebody who I don't I haven't really watched enough North Texas this year to like they were good.
1: They were like. They were really good.
2: They were really good passing team. Like I'd be, I'd be interested to see like how much of their offense aligns with ours. If it, if if there's something there, that would be worth like bringing him aboard and actually calling plays along with Lynch.
1: So yeah, he was he was at, at uh, Wazoo as a receivers coach in fourteen fifteen when they were still like almost completely passing dominant. Like yeah. they still don't run the ball very much, but like that was those. There's lots of two teams that won, like, seven games and, and threw the ball a ton and gave with like, a million points. Um, North Texas threw the ball a lot. Um, I think it would be an interesting opportunity for him to, a, get to a different area, but also to kind of, obviously we haven't run the ball well yet, but it started to long, and we know what Baber's ideal offense looks more like, and to get him an experience in in that more, uh, more of a balanced uh, up-tempo spread, ideally, assuming our offensive line and our running backs come along.
2: And also uh, get us be...
1: another foothold in Texas recruiting. That's you.
2: Well, cool. I feel like now I'm on the Graham Harrell train.
1: Let's do it. Let's, let's push for it. <laughs> I it's also feel... a former, former Green Bay Packer. Great. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it.
2: Even more reason. Uh, I think that'll do it for today. I am surprised that we got as far as we did with football talk.
1: Yeah. No, it was. I mean, obviously we have the championship and we had two or one really good bowl uh, semifinal and then one kind of bad semifinal. But always plenty to talk about in college football, even if it isn't Totally Syracuse specific, but we got some of that in too, which is good.
2: True indeed. Um, All right, Dan, thanks as always for joining. Much appreciated.
1: Yes, always, always a pleasure. Uh, Hopefully, more of a pleasure next week.
2: Yeah, we have uh, two games between now and then. We have uh, Notre Dame this Saturday Um, on the ninth. We are on the road at Virginia. I was going to be watching that game. Now I'm not because I got Lakers tickets. So gonna miss it. But that's kind of in keeping with me being a disloyal idiot and all that.
1: yeah, I mean, I didn't watch the Virginia Tech game till last night, so yeah, it happens. It was New Year's Eve. What do you want from me?
2: Exactly. I'm just going to DVR. <laughs> the, I'm just going to DVR the game, and then uh, until someone texts me that we lost by 25, and then I'm like, all right, I guess I don't have to watch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I, I watched all of Virginia Tech because I was like, oh, we won by 12, and it was probably better than that based on like following the score. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Perfect. Um, all right. That was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on
0: iTunes, on Blog Talk, and Go Orange. and dare to be devoted.